my very best to get this job that I so crave. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fan Zone Debate. We're back for another match. I'm very excited about this one. We've got Cody Newberry coming off as one. Uh, win against Mike Hanley uh, in his debut match earlier this season, uh, going up against Richard Schwartz, uh, who just played Andrew Barr, won that match, uh, and now they are going to play each other for a shot at the winner of uh, Boatman and Kastner. So, uh, in this little title picture, so this is going to be fun. Brian, you are here to uh, co-judge this one. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing pretty good. I'm excited to be here. I got to. Uh... Uh, judge a Richard debate uh, not too long ago. And Cody, although I'm of course aware of his debating skills, uh, when I started here, he was not active and now he's here. And for the first time I get to see him in action. Did you not uh, judge the Mike Hanley match? Did I? I don't know. Maybe I did. I don't remember. The one with the big, I think, I think you're right. I did. So ignore everything I just said, I'm know. happy to be here. Hey Kirk, your turn. Kirk, <laughs> welcome. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing all right. I'm doing good. Glad to be here. Perfect. Okay. I, well, I think, oh, I, I thought you were gonna. I thought you were gonna ask me a follow-up question. Uh, no. no, I think that's gonna be a good match. Uh, Cody obviously proven commodity, uh, but Richard very wily player. Uh, when people tell me they're pot, they're uh, they're fighting Richard, I say watch out because he knows how to find the chinks in your armor. So you know you, you never know what you're gonna get from him. Uh, I am very excited to watch this match. Yeah, let's get into it. Uh, let's start by talking to the lower ranked player, Mr. Newberry, uh, lower ranked, but also just cause you're, you're new. Uh, but you played Mike, uh, you guys yelled about some ridiculous stuff. Uh, and it was a really fun match, but you beat him and now you're playing Richard. What you think, Cody? Yeah. So like the first time one, I like having you three here, especially Kirk and Brian, uh, Brian just doesn't enjoy any of my bullshit ever. So like, that's always a problem. Um, and you know, Kirk, um, I saw a video like of a different me and him teaming together. So, um, I think he cost us that match. I'm not going to say that here and there. Uh, but listen, uh, Mike, Mike was hard to beat because Mike, uh, throws a bunch of bullshit at the wall that I just don't know how to combat. Um, Richard's kind of the same way, but Richard, I do knows remember that now. <laughs> Richard knows what he's talking about. Um, so I think, I think I picked up some stuff and the last time I lost the one question, cause I didn't watch the movie. Like I didn't watch it. I couldn't tell you anything. And he watched it because he watches everything and picked it apart. So I've seen everything I'm ready to go. But I, again, if I lose, it is what it is at this point, but I just wanted to come back cause it's been so long and I don't play trivia anymore. So this is the only time I get competition anymore. So yeah, me and Richard, it should be fun. He said, I beat him last time. I don't even remember when that was. So that's fair. A lot of things have changed. Maybe he can enlighten us. Richard, welcome. Uh, you just played Bar and won that match, uh, I believe, in four questions, in prep questions. Didn't even have to go to the bonus round. And uh, it was an excellent match. You played really well. How are you feeling about taking on Cody now? Oh, I'm scared. Yeah. Uh, the last time we debated, it was in a TV fights in another league. Uh, I lost. I got I got KO'd easily. But uh, now I'm intimidated. Uh I'm the only – I've done more of these. Uh, I mean, Cody's probably more of the favorite, and also Kirk always scares me as judge because, you know. But I'm here to have fun. This is what I like to do. Uh, I, I, at least too. Cody was nice enough to pick movies I can actually watch or I have seen, so that's that's a good thing right there. So this should be a good match, I hope. And yeah. uh, hopefully I don't keep repeating like I usually do, but I'm probably it's good. that's what's going to happen, so it's going to be a fun match. All right. Well, uh, let's get into it. This is how it's going to work. Uh, there are going to be four prep questions based on categories uh, that the players drafted. I came up with some questions to give them, and now they're going to debate them before our very souls this evening. Uh, so each player will get a one-minute opening, followed by a five-minute freeform, followed by a one-minute closing at the end of the debate. Kirk, Brian, and I will write on our handy-dandy boards who we think should win the point best two out of three wins the point and the first person to three points wins the match should we get to the end of the prep questions and we are tied we will go to a bonus question so uh any questions from the competitors as we get going nah. nope all right let's do this
All right. We are going to kick this thing off with the first question, which is going to come in the category of the Wizarding World. This was drafted by Richard. And the question is, what character from Harry Potter would make, would make the best babysitter? All right. So, uh, Richard, you're going to kick us off. You have one minute to open your argument when you start talking. What makes the best babysitter? Uh, if I were to leave my child with a stranger, someone who I know is going to take care of my child while we are away, someone I know who is comfortable with children, but more importantly, if something happens to the child while we are away, someone who knows and who can take care of the child and knows medical things, who can patch up or heal an individual. So I chose Madame Pomfrey. Madame Pomfrey is the head nurse at Hogwarts. She has taken care of thousands and thousands of Hogwarts students. She knows multiple remedies and cures. She has amended broken bones, cure illnesses. And I don't see anyone that can best take care of a child while me and my significant other is a way to take care of my child. And looking at you know other Harry Potter's characters, there isn't a lot of them. I mean, there's only a handful and I'll go on more when I talk about it. I concede the rest of my two seconds. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Uh, Cody, we're going to go over to you. You have one minute to open when you start talking. So having children, the best thing you need is somebody that takes care of your children and leaves you alone. The best person to do that is a person that already has children. Pick Molly Weasley. She's raised a ton of children. She knows how to protect them. She will do anything for her kids. Look, Harry's not a part of that family. Harry comes into the family. She treats him as one of his own. But she's also not one. The worst thing about a babysitter is one that's going to call you and complain about your child being a little shithead. Guess what? All kids are shitheads. Molly Weasley knows that kids are shitheads. Your character will literally call me because my, my kid drew on your wall. That's what it is. I picked the best babysitter. He picked the best school nurse. I'll finish in the debate. Okay. All right. So Molly Weasley, Madam Pomfrey. Uh, you guys have five minute freeform. I'll come in to give you a one minute closing or a one minute warning uh, at the time. And the time starts when one of you starts talking. Yeah. Oh. Um, Molly Weasley. Yes, she has a lot of children, but she's kind of neg negligent with that sense because um, she didn't know her kids went away, stole the family car and chamber of secrets. Uh, I wouldn't want to I wouldn't want a babysitter who doesn't watch their uh, watch a child. Because children can be rebellious, they can sneak out of the house, and if she's not going to pay attention to my child, I wouldn't want her as a babysitter. Listen, Richard, I don't know if you have kids. This is no shot at you if you don't. But listen, kids are going to do shit regardless if the babysitter's there or not. Uh, listen, Molly Weasley's going to know that kids are going to be kids and they're going to act up. The best thing about Molly Weasley is she also has her own entertainment for her kids. She has other kids from my kid to play with to wear him out, to make him uh, frustrated or tired when he gets home. So then he goes right to bed. That's what I need from a kid. I don't need somebody to uh, make my kid read books in the corner or talk about medical charts with my child and then comes home and then needs me to entertain them. The best thing about a babysitter is wind them down, tire them out, let them have fun, let them do stupid stuff that they can't do at my house, and then bring them back tired, ready to go to bed. Um, I don't want any other children in my house. I want just them to focus on my child. And um, Fred, George, and Ron are insane. They would damage my house. They would damage to probably do magical things, which, by the way, Molly Weasley's not allowed to do magic in front of a muggle. And uh, I don't think she can do anything that's without magic. Because uh, if you've seen, like, when they did in Chamber of Secrets, when they went to the house, everything was done by magic. Nurse Pomfrey doesn't need magic. If some of my kid gets hurt, she's going to have remedies and potions that will fix my child. Listen, no one ever assumed that my kid's not a wizard. I'm going to assume my kid's a wizard. He knows Molly Weasley. I know to ask Molly Weasley. My kid's a wizard. He can be around that stuff. And also, you're, you just showed me that she. if my kid gets the flu, I'm calling your person number one person to watch my kid. But you, she has showed no credibility that she can actually watch a ton of kids that are not bedridden. 
No one's my kid's not going to be bedridden just laying in bed. My kid's going to be active. My kid's going to draw on walls. My kid is going to probably call you a dumb fucker. These are things that my kid you're going to have to deal with. And I think Madam Pumphrey calls me in the first moment and says, "I don't. I can't take care of your kid. My kid, you need to come get this kid." Molly Weasley would be like, she would call him a little fucker back. That's what I need my babysitter to do. My babysitter needs to put that kid in its place and also has older siblings to put in place. You don't want your kid around other kids. What do you want him to do? Be a bubble boy? I'm telling you right now, if that's going to be your philosophy of a parent, you're going to be a miserable parent because you're going to be your, your kid's best friend. And let me tell you, kids are suck. Kids suck. The point of the babysitter is not for the kids' enjoyment. It's for the adults. And uh, my kid will have plenty of friends, like, when they're not, you know, in the daytime, in the weekends. I want someone who's going to watch my child, not focus on any other children, not have someone rampaging. And Madam Poffrey is a professional. She has always taken care of children. And if her job is to be the babysitter, she will be a freaking babysitter. And like I said, Molly, like you even said, you, Molly Weezy would probably call my person. Well, why call the person when she's already there watching the child? Yeah, but I'm saying if my kid gets an illness, I'm not having a babysitter. I have to stay home. No one wants to watch a sick kid. You're a person only comes into play if somebody's sick. And you said I I don't want to misquote you. You said it's for the my kids the the babysitter's enjoyment to watch a no. kid. No, it's for the parents' enjoyment to leave the house and having someone watch right. over the kid. So then you need somebody to not have to interrupt you when you're gone. That's my whole thing. Molly Weasley has shown in the character to accept any kid as their own, bring them in, comfort them, feed them, make them feel loved, and then and let them do stupid stuff. Your person has not showed anything in any of the movies besides handle bedridden children. My kid is not bedridden. He is also a wizard and has a mouth. So what are you going to do well, besides... You're, you're saying... Madame Poffrey takes care of many different children, many different personalities. So she she and herself has accepted and loved every child that she's nursed. When you're a nurse, you take care of that children as if they were your own. But isn't half the scenes with her in there that Harry sleeps throughout the night and then has to be woken up and told, oh, just drink this juice? Should we don't show her having to play blocks with the kids or, like, help him do anything else? Doesn't she, mean she doesn't know how. For all she, you know, she could be happy to look her. She checks the charts and, and you say that if your kid's a wizard, which, you know, honestly, right now, you don't know if you would be a wizard. You're probably going to be a muggle. He's it's a majority of people. Muggle. So I'm saying if your child happens to be a muggle, Molly Weasley wouldn't know what to do. He got his letter. He's a wizard. No. <laughs> All right. Cody, we're going to start with you for your closing. You have one minute to close when you start talking. Listen, Richard described a great school nurse. And guess what? I hope my kid has to go there and has to get medical treatment if that ever happens from her. But what I want is a babysitter that's going to let my kid be a kid, goof off, play jokes, use potty language, um, Madam Pomfrey's going to call me in the first minute something goes wrong and says, listen, get your kid. He's an asshole. He called me. A, he called me a bitch. Listen, that's what's going to happen. My kid's going to have to read medical charts, have to come home, bother me, make me be the entertainment. I don't have time for that. My babysitter is supposed to wind the kid down so we can put him to bed as soon as he get home. And I have a carefree night of children. And we don't know if we're dropping her off at Molly. If I, and my kid can see magic stuff. He's a wizard. Why the hell would we pick people in the wizarding world that can't be around magic? That'd be a stupid question from the writer. So my kid's a wizard. My kid's going to act up. My kid's going to do stupid things. And he's and Molly Weasley's going to be the perfect option because there's a bunch of children for my kid to play with and enjoy. Yours is a pompous ass that doesn't need to watch my kid. Time. All right. We're going to bring in Richard for his closing. One minute when you start talking, Richard. I want a babysitter that's going to take care of my child, plain and simple. Medical is something that happens because when you're a kid, you get injured a lot. And I want someone who can be there to perform medical medical things to help protect my child. Molly Weasley is very negligent. She does not know what her children's doing half the time. She They took a flying car without her knowing. I don't want someone like that who's not going to pay attention to the child. Nurse Pomfrey takes care of multiple children. She would take care of the children like she was her own. And again... Um, you don't know if you're going to be words. You can say you're a wizard. If we're a wizard in America, we wouldn't pick any British people from – we would pick an American base there. Anyway, so you don't know if your child's going to be a, a, a wizard or not. And Molly does not know possibly anything when it comes to muggle things. And Nurse Pomfrey has potions, remedies that she can use. Molly Weasley's just 
negligent. I baby have a babysitter is for the adults' enjoyment, and Madame Popper is the best. Okay. All right, we will bring in the judges. I'm ready. Are you guys ready? Yeah, ready. Okay. Um, I thought these were two excellent choices. And honestly, like when I wrote the question, I was like, Molly Weasley is going to come up. Madam Pomfrey was not something I thought of immediately. And it's a, it's a fantastic choice. Uh, and I thought Richard did a really good job explaining like the benefits of Madam Pomfrey, but I thought what kind of did it for me was Cody uh, when he did the whole thing about that. Madam Pomfrey is the excellent choice to cure my child when they're sick. But we, while we've seen her, like he brought up specific parts in the movie, like, yeah, she's just there to like give him some juice in the middle of the night when he wakes up. Uh, but otherwise, Molly, taking care of tons of children, has brought Harry in as, as one of their own. So we know that she can take care of kids that aren't just her kids as well. So I thought he did a really good job explaining why Molly, while Madame Pomfrey would be good, but Molly would be better. So, uh, Brian, where are you going and why? Uh, well, first, I'm concerned about Cody's fitness to be a parent because he said that he hopes his kid has a medical emergency and has to go get treatment. Um, that was a little disturbing. Um, as for Richard, the word you're looking for is negligent. Uh, but, yeah, sorry, I have words with those big kind of words. I know, I know. Um, and he said it right the first time. Um, in the beginning of the debate, I thought actually you hit him pretty hard with that first thing you said, where, you know, She's not paying attention. The kids can take the car. He didn't really defend that. He basically just said, uh, you know, kids are going to do what they do, whether babysitter's watching or not. He never really did anything more to fight back against the fact that you said that, you know, she wasn't paying attention. Um, however, I did feel that uh, Cody made a good case for why uh, Weasley is a better all-around choice because she's going to provide all the services a babysitter should from entertaining to caring for them to disciplining them Whereas yours is great to be there for medical emergencies, but that's about it. So I'm Cody. Okay, so Cody wins the first point. Kirk, your vote doesn't count. Where would you have gone and why? Um, I also went with Cody. I think Cody just overall did a better job of explaining why uh, she overall, uh, you know, Pomfrey has very specific skills. Uh, Molly has the more general ones that you want. Also, as far as like the Muggle Wizard thing, even before Cody said it, like in my mind, I was thinking, you know, it's a we're in the Wizarding world, obviously. Yeah. The, wiz the wizarding stuff, the magic stuff would be okay. So that wasn't a fact for me. And Richard spent a lot of time on that. But overall, I think Cody did a better job explaining why his person was the overall better person. Okay. All right. So we are going to move on to question number two. This was drafted by Cody in the category of crime. Very excited for this one, folks. Uh, <laughs> the question is, which scene from the Godfather trilogy would you so would you show someone to sell them the trilogy? Uh, so we have no fans of The Godfather here, so uh, this is going to be just super super calm and exciting. Uh, we're going to start with Cody since he drafted this one. Cody, you have one minute to open your argument when you start talking. So I will help my person, uh, my opponent, and not tell them his scene. But I picked second in this. But I went with the baptism scene at the very end of The Godfather Part 1. Uh, the reason why I went with that is because The Godfather has been known in cinema for being one of the best uh, movies around. Um, some may disagree. Some may not be their cup of tea. But overall, it is considered one of the best films out there. And if it hasn't sold you by its reputation or the trailer or the classic lines... You need something else to sell you. This has been around since 72. You need something to sell you. And the baptism scene is probably one of the best scenes in any cinema ever. Michael um, is basically christening his child in a church while he is outside, while he is sending people out to literally take everybody, every big mobster out. Um, the reason why I picked this scene and some people say, oh, you're giving away the ending. Well, the best thing about The Godfather is you see the beginning of his father, you see the beginning, and now you get to go back and forth between Michael. Okay. Uh, we're going to move over to Richard. Richard, you have one minute to open your argument when you start talking. The scene I chose was the opening scene with Don Vito Corleone and uh, someone from the, the town, a local person who's come to Don 
Vito Corleone to get justice for his daughter who was assaulted by a former boyfriend. Why this scene is the most important scene that could sell someone to watch The Godfather is it has everything that The Godfather is about. Family, respect, power. And this scene just shows would uh, ask the question, why is this character, Don Vito Corleone, so important to the film? Why is someone... Why does he command so much respect for the community? And um, this quietly and deeply sums up why I love The Godfather so much is because violence is not the most important thing about this. It is about family, respect, trust. And I'll explain more once I go into the fighting round. Uh, I can see the rest of my time. Exactly two seconds once again. Uh, so, all right. You guys have five minute free form and one of you starts off. Okay, so listen, your scene, yes, it's the first scene of The Godfather. It's the easiest thing to sell people, but it's never sold anybody before. If they haven't watched it, you're convincing someone to sell it. This is a person that hasn't seen it. We have heard, I believe, in America, you come to me on my day of my daughter's wedding to ask me for a favor, and that still hasn't sold anybody to watch that. That's in the trailer. That's in the opening scene. That is the only thing that they would get to watch that movie, and if that didn't get them off the seat to watch it, nothing will. Honestly, if you want to talk about that scene, it's kind of boring for most people because Don sits in the back and he says, oh, he does that really good scene for people that like the movie. But then it gets into a wedding scene. My scene overall is so it's not even action packed. It is such it shows a, a basic balance between Michael, how family oriented he is, that he will literally do anything to his family. The reason why I picked the end and some people will say you picked the ending, that's a really stupid argument. No, it's not, because at the end you can see him. You can with the trilogy, you can go back to watch what he how he became that. And then on the rest of the trilogy, you want to see where Michael goes. By the end of the first one, Don's out of it, and Don doesn't sell you on the rest of the stuff. It's Michael. Michael's going to be the linchpin to get you to care about the rest of this thing. If not, you don't care. Uh, well, first off, you said my scene's kind of boring. Your scene is just as boring, if not longer. They're sitting in a church for quite a long time, for a few minutes, till you know the, the, the shooting starts to begin. It's just him watching his child getting baptized. And but more importantly, my the emotion in my scene is far uh, as the, the the man is talking about what happened to his daughter. This would show that uh, John Vito Corleone is you know taking a favor or listening to this person on the day before his daughter's wedding. You even mentioned how just memorable that line was. This is America. It's more memorable. It's going to sink in and the raw emotion of what he's going through. The the man. You know, daughter, and then he's taking the time saying you didn't come here. You know, you don't call me friend. You never buy me the coffee house. It just tough words mean a lot. So, sorry, I'll let you so, go on. I, I so my thing is, yeah, Don shows a lot of power, but Don shows way more power throughout the movie, throughout the scene. So if you want somebody to see this scene shows a start of where it goes, but you learn more about the family and everything else moving past the scene. You don't get anything else of the family. You just get a brute guy in the chair leading, telling a local guy what he can do for him and basically says he'll help him out. But like that doesn't lead to the Godfather make you go, oh, I'm fully in for the Godfather. You're saying my scene's boring, but my scene, why she, he is baptizing each person of his family is going towards a major mob boss and taking them out. People say that's the ending, so why would you use it? My thing is, you don't know who these characters are if you're just watching the one scene and how one man can literally, he is christening his son and then getting people completely taken out. And when he leaves that church, he is the only man in town at this point. So but that would make me want to go see the ending, where he started, and the rest of the trilogy. Yours would make me... If, I have three, if, other, three other movies. Fuck that. If, if someone's going to come in just to watch a scene, just so, some people might not like violence like as much as... The Godfather is... You may think... Most people think The Godfather is just about violence. No. Violence in The Godfather is usually the last resort. And even when uh, Vito Corleone uh, said, like, you know, he want, like, the guy wants justice, and it was like, no, it's not justice. Your daughter's still alive. It's usually a tit for tat. He does, they don't, he, the Godfather does not kill for the sake of killing. He does it if it is appropriate or when it's the last resort. Yours is just, you know, 
Michael is, you know, having people just shooting people. And, like, again, that takes two, three minutes. You get to the point of The Godfather within a minute, a minute and a half, where he treats everyone in his community like family, even while his daughter's about to be married. It's going to show someone that not only that he cares about his family, he cares about everyone in the community. Yours is just... Sorry, go if you're talking about if they don't like violence, then probably don't watch The Godfather because I'm guess I don't know if you've seen The Godfather, but like two, uh, like five minutes down the line, they stab a guy in the hand and choke him out in the bar. They shoot up John uh, James Con in in a toll booth. There's violence throughout everything. The reason why violence, you're right, violence is not the answer in The Godfather, but that is Michael does. Michael's the only person he's different than Don, so he uses it all to take it. My scene would sell you because you get to know. You don't get enough from the scene. You don't get enough dialogue. You don't get anything about it. But you're like, I want to see more. What is that guy going to do? Your guy is just a conversation. All right. Uh, We are going to start with Richard closing. You have one minute to close when you start talking. Look, uh, my opponent's scene, you know, shows Michael becoming the new godfather. And, you know, he does it his way. But the, the majority... The most of the, at least especially the first half of The Godfather is about Don Corleone, Don Vito Corleone, the Godfather, the OG. My scene is very important because it represents everything that this movie is about. It's about family, trust, respect, and community. And um, it is dialogue that Don Vito is caring about the community like it is his own family the days before wedding, whereas my opponent's scene as you know, great as the violence is, it takes time to even get to that point. And it's going to just, I'm not saying if someone who does not like violence, not completely, but someone who, you know, wants more about the story before they get to the violence is what just is the scene. It's just, you know, random shooting at a baptism, whereas mine talks about justice, talks about family. It talks about everything that sums up the Godfather. That's it. Time. Uh, All right. We're going to go over to Cody. Cody has one minute to close his argument when he starts talking. The open scene of The Godfather, you don't get much from that scene. And again, it's in trailers. It's the thing. If that didn't sell you before, that's not going to sell somebody now because it doesn't even, it doesn't actually show what The Godfather really is. It's kind of the passing of the torch to Michael. Michael doesn't just grab the torch. He takes it. And you're saying that it's just random shootings. No, the difference between my scene and your scene, my scene is a very precise while people are executing pieces outside of the church while he is in there baptizing his son. And that is shows the crucial thing. Uh, my entire thing of selling the scene, that's the whole point of the question, is with that scene, you get to see, I want to know where Michael started from, and I, at the end of it, the next two movies, I'm going to see where he finishes. Don talking to the guy has a cool moment. I love the scene, but at the end of the day, that doesn't sell me on The Godfather. The entire family of The Godfather sells it, and Don is kind of taken out after the after the beginning of the movie and doesn't really have that big of a point besides crying my boy. I'm telling you right now, the scene that you need to sell people on is the baptism scene. Okay. Boom, boom, and boom, and... There and there. Okay. Um. All right. Are we ready, judges? Yes. Kirk, you get to kick us off. Yes. Um. Obviously, I love this movie. Uh, just got to watch this on the big screen this weekend in theaters. Very excited about that. Um, so all this is very fresh in my mind. Um, both obviously fantastic scenes, great bookends to the story. Uh, interesting they picked them both. Um, and they both had good arguments as to why, uh, you know, there's a sell. But I think as far as selling the movie, that was the focus on the movie. Um, I think Cody did the better job. Um, I think he kind of did the eight-mile thing and just came out and said, this is the weakness of my argument. And then, you know, gave all the, argue, you know, the counter argument for that. And then give Richard a chance to use that. Because um, I think that was the biggest thing that Richard could have used. The spoilers give stuff away. Um, really didn't go in that direction. And I think, you know, the most important thing Cody said overall was that Michael is the linchpin of the story. You know, Don, Don Corleone is important too. Um, but it's ultimately Michael's story. And the scene without Michael isn't going to sell you on the, on the movie as much. So I went with Cody. Okay. Um 
I also agree. I thought both of these scenes, I, it was, it was interesting to, I didn't know where they were going to go with the arguments. Uh, and I thought they both did a really good job of explaining their scenes and why they're good scenes and scenes that would make sense as answers to this. Uh, I'm not going to lie. It drove me crazy. Uh, when we, I am, I'm shocked. Kirk didn't bring this up in his thing. Uh, the fact checking of it is not, uh, Michael's son being baptized at the end of the movie. It's Connie's, I believe. I'm pretty sure. Uh, yeah. And that, that drove me a little bananas. But besides the fact that I didn't let that, I didn't let that play into the argument. Um, I did also go with CN Cody Newberry because I did think that um, at the end of the day, he. I agree with Kirk. He did a better job of explaining to me how the overall story of the Godfather is Michael's story. And you want to see from that scene, like, okay, I want to see where he started, where he's going to go. It's a sell on the trilogy, um, not just the movie. And also you get the, the violence, you get the drama, you get the characters in that scene. Uh, while Richard's scene is very good and does a good job, also explaining some of the themes of the godfather i thought cody's thing on his was a little stronger so uh cody gets point two brian where are you voting and why oh well the thing that drove me crazy but also did not affect my judging was the fact that uh, richard kept calling the Coralone family yeah um but but i did not take that in consideration my judging speech um for me i actually went back to read the original question and the original question says uh if you wanted to sell them on the trilogy and for me, Cody did a better job of selling them on the whole trilogy because, you know, as opposed to just the first film, his scene, uh, it does kind of show you the first film, but also, like he said, it makes Michael the linchpin of the whole thing, and he's the future of the franchise after that. And you want to sell them on the whole trilogy, which is what the question asked, then his scene works better. Yep. All right. So uh, Cody's up two to one. Richard does need to hit this question in order to stay in it. Uh, the question was drafted by Richard. It is in the category of comedy. And the question is, which 2000s comedy movie has the best ensemble? So, Richard, you are going to get to kick this one off. You have one minute to open your argument when you start talking. Best ensemble is really hard to define. I will define it as just what is the best group of people you can get in one screen? How important are each of these individuals to the movie itself? And how well is it? How well do they work together with other actors and with each other? And I chose Tropic Thunder. It has, you know, Ben Stiller, Jack Black, Robert Downey Jr., uh, Jay Baruchel. You have Tom Cruise. It's just this movie is really, in my opinion, I love this movie a lot. It's really funny. They work together really well. Matthew McConaughey is really funny in this movie as well. And I will explain the rest when I come to find out. I do believe this is the best ensemble because they work together really well. And I can see the rest of my time. Okay. Uh, We're going to move over to Cody, who has one minute to open his argument when he starts talking. Yeah, I hate really ensemble questions because it's kind of hard to, like, figure out a debate on it. But I went with basically a group of actors or persons who performed together as of the ensemble. And um, basically... My reasoning for picking uh, the group from 40-Year-Old Virgin is because they are so crucial to the entire story and they work together. None of them really work apart from each other. Um, the entire thing is helping Andy through the entire um, uh, journey of losing his virginity at 40 years old. Um, and I think the entire cast, um, I mean, you got Paul Rudd, Seth Rogen, uh, Steve Carell, Jane Lynch, um, can't think of the other guy kevin hart's in this like there's a ton of actors and throughout this but then my thing is it's not because of the star power of them it's basically how important the cast is that works off each other and it's a group inside of a tech store that just helps sell um stuff and even when the little pieces come in as cameos they help as well but yeah i want a 40 year virgin okay um both excellent films uh love both these ones so let's hear about it five minute free form when one of you starts talking I'm going to start off okay. I'm saying why my movie has the best ensemble is because each of the main characters, you know, you can relate to, like, as an actor, like you have Ben Stiller's character, who is like the kind of old age 
action movie star who keeps on doing the same action. Robert Downey Jr., the method actor, Jack Black, who is a sketch comedy guy who has drug problems. Yeah, the uh, Chino, who is a music, who is a musician coming in to be an actor, and also Jay Bearshaw, who is an up and coming actor, which I think is multiple things as an actor coming into a movie represents with the film. They work really well together. What is really tough about yours, like I love the four-year-old virgin. I love everyone in the movie. The thing is, um, there are a few characters that doesn't need to be in the film. I feel like Seth Rogen's character didn't really need to be in the film. His main attribution was he bangs Elizabeth Banks at the end. Okay, so so Tropic Thunder, Tropic Thunder um, is really an interesting choice, and I agree. There's a lot of like characters that work, but they're all side characters to each other. They don't really like each other. They don't really spend the time. There's an entire side plot of this movie that Ben Stiller is away from any of those characters and playing Simple Jack in the film. It is one of the weirdest like choices that movie makes. I love the choice. I love the movie, but overall, that movie point, I hate the entire point. Um, Tom Cruise and all this, they're all great by themselves. That's the whole piece of this thing. Uh, Matthew McConaughey works by himself. Tom Cruise basically works by himself. Danny, um, Danny McBride and Nick Nolte work with themselves. But the ensemble of the group doesn't actually ever stay together as a core and actually play off each other. The reason why I like 40-Year-Old Virgin is because he comes into the group, he just gets accepted into this group and starts talking, and they're like, oh, my God, no. So they all try to become friends and try to help him basically conquer this thing that he hasn't been able to conquer, and the co- the comedy ensues from that. That's why I think the ensemble of 40-Year-Old Virgin works. Seth Rogen's the first person to point out why he's not. Seth Rogen works throughout this movie. Seth Rogen's one of those people that is probably the crudest of them all, but just points it out to Andy, and Andy makes makes Andy super uncomfortable the entire time. That's why that ensemble works so strong. Yours is better pieces separately than they are ever together. Um, you're saying, like, you know, actors don't get along. Well, that's how actors are in real life. They may not get along with each other. There may be a time where they go off and do their own thing. That is point of like actors in actors in real life like they don't get along sometimes they go on there doing their own thing and just because ben stiller is by himself doing a simple jack that doesn't mean he's not part still part of the song he's part of the ensemble in that movie uh, maybe a different ensemble with the the vietnamese i think it was the vietnamese people or i forgot whatever tribe that was whereas seth rogan's character like again you could have given his role to like paul Paul Rudd, like there are just a few people in your movie that could emerge and it would have been the same movie. You know, like Paul Rudd's character, as funny as he was by himself, like his main attribution was he was still hung up on the necks. And um, there's another actor I don't remember. um, I'm going to redirect the question because them not getting along as actors doesn't matter. My thing is best ensemble. And the reason why I decided the thing is playing together group of actors working together, making the thing. And that's why my actors all together are so important because I don't think there's a standout performance in my movie that rises above the rest because they all elevate each other up and make it work based on the ensemble. Your characters, the reason why I brought up is because the and the movie puts it into the spotlight is four actors that don't like each other basically are basically put together in this movie in a role and they all want to do their separate things, which is fine. But the movie actually separates them at points. So Ben Stiller, you don't get that comedy that works off of Robert Downey Jr. for too long because he's in a prison. He's okay, he's in a train, but, but your 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 group doesn't always stay together too. A lot of times it's just two of them or three of them. It's not all of them always. I mean, at they all once. go out together. Yeah, I'll all, get, I mean, even in my film, like the majority of them stick together. I mean, Tom Cruise, Matthew McConaughey—that's their own ensemble. They're together. They're great chemistry. The majority of the main cast, they do stay together with the exception towards towards the later end of the movie when Ben Stiller gets kidnapped, does a simple jack. They all work fabulous together. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. is fantastic. Chemistry with Jack Black, with uh, the the actor, with the, the Chino guy. I, I forgot his name, like the actor's I mean, name. Jack Black's just on drugs. Like, let's be real. They Jay Bearshaw, they, they have a great together. relationship. They work in their own little side gets. It's like SNL. They only they work on their side bets. I don't know why I said one minute. It's, I didn't but, think so. I was weird. But they work in side bets. It's like SNL skits. They all work separately, not right together. I'll give you that because I fucked that. I don't know why I said one minute. I meant to say 10 seconds. And then just... I was like, oh, we're keep going. Okay, I thought we were no, right. that's my bad. Uh, okay, so 
we are going to start with Cody. Uh, closing, Cody, you have one minute to close your argument when you start talking. Yeah, I mean, ensemble is a tough question to figure out, but mine is working together, and I think they're crucial to their point of helping Andy achieve this goal as a group, and they all are in the store together, they all go out together, they bring Andy out of his comfort zone, and they work together with Seth Rogen, Paul Rudd, Jane Lynch even at points. It just works as an overall ensemble cast, as a comedy. Um, I don't think you can take any of those characters away, and the movie's as funny, or it works as well. They're all dealing with their own demons, but they're all help each other kind of achieve it in a hysterical way um tropic thunder is funny um it has moments but at the end of the day i don't know how great of the ensemble it is it has star power that's the main thing i would say it has the most star power but i don't know if that's ensemble because they basically split the team up right off the bat tom cruise isn't there matthew mcconaughey's over the phone they don't really have any moments together as a group rising besides the four actors so at that point i would just i don't and they separate pretty quick in the movie time okay uh we're gonna move over to richard for his one minute closing when you start talking my ensemble is the best because each character brings a distinctive distinctive role to the movie uh roles that actors have in real life and i disagree with my opponent saying that he they get separated really quick no it's towards the later half of the movie uh every character yes in in a sense they have their own separate goals but they have their own separate goals together which works so well as an ensemble because they work so well together matthew mcconaughey and tom cruise is away in different part but they're still part of the ensemble they're still part there because they're all affecting the film whereas uh the 40 old virgin's a great movie but if you took it, it but is each role each character important to the movie really there isn't you could have given Seth Rogen's character to Paul Rudd, and it has been the same thing. There are each of my role characters' roles are important to the film, important to themselves, and it they work just perfectly together. That's ensemble, Tropic Thunder. Time. Okay. I'll bring in judges. Okay. All right, uh, Brian, you get to pick this one off. Um, I think these are two great choices, probably the two best choices uh, for the answer to this question. Um, I think both have made very good points as to why theirs worked, why theirs was the best ensemble. Um, but from a debate standpoint, I gave the edge to Cody, um, largely because uh, there was at least three times that I counted where Richard uh, didn't even know the, the names or the plot points or the things that he was talking about. Um, like he'd say, I don't remember this actor's name. I don't remember who these people were in the movie. And I don't expect people to remember everything in a movie. That, but if you're going to use things to support your argument, you use these people at plot points, you should probably know what you're talking about. Okay. Kirk. Um, yeah, this is a tough one. I, Cody hit the nail on the head at the beginning when he said that it's hard to argue an ensemble because, you know, what angle do you come with just a bunch of different people together and what argument you use? And I think there was a lot of talk about, you know, just, you know, I heard, you know, a lot of like, hey, my group is really good. These individuals are good. Um, I heard that from both sides. Uh, but in the end, I also went with Cody uh, because I think Cody did uh, bring in some stuff about why specifically his group works as an ensemble with, you know, how they come together. Um, they're already a group, and they come in for Steve Carell, and they work together in that relationship. A lot of comedy comes from there. So um, that's why I had to give a little bit of the edge to Cody there. Uh, okay, my vote doesn't count. I also went with Cody. Um, I thought that uh, Richard did a good job of, like, explaining kind of, like, again, like Cody kind of nailed it with, like, the star power and everything, but, like, and while I didn't think Cody's whole, like, they split up and they're not together, like, that didn't work for me super well. Uh, so I kind of ignored that. But Cody's thing about, like, the comedy that comes from the group and 40-year-old virgin being together that works for the plot and for the movie just works much better than what they're doing in Tropic Thunder. That was what really worked for me uh, and sold me on Cody. So that means your winner... By way of knockout is Cody Newberry. Uh, we are going to start with Richard. Richard, uh, probably not the way you wanted it to go today, but 
that being said, I think you had some really good points in there. You had some great choices. And to play somebody uh, like Cody and come out with, you know, some, some really good arguments in there is still, it's still a good thing. Uh, how are you feeling about them? Uh, kind of what I expected. Cody's just too good. And then, like, I just, you know, my lack of being able to say what I want to say in real time, it always hurts me. But, you know, I had fun. I didn't bring up the whole I didn't know the character thing because Cody didn't know about his character either. So I wasn't going to go that route anyway. <laughs> but no, Cody's just just great at what he does talking. So, you know, he's going to he's going to be a threat in the coming in the next match. And I'm going to enjoy just watching Cody just go to the finals because <laughs> he's just so good. Fair enough. Uh, Richard, uh, this does mean that you're out of this little uh, picture. But who do you want next time? Oh, anyone. It's always fun. Just right. have to tell them be nice about the categories they pick. <laughs> okay, sounds good. Be like Cody. <laughs> be like Cody. There you go. Richard, thanks for being here today. It was a pleasure. Let's bring in the winner, Cody Newberry. Cody, great job. Uh, I think this is the – I could be wrong, but this might be the first time this season where somebody has won clean sweep every vote, every question. I don't know if that's accurate but I think it might be. Uh, it's a pretty impressive feat. How are you feeling? You're muted. Of course. First, at least once a video. I actually muted myself between rounds, and I actually stopped myself. It's kind of weird. Um, no, I'm feeling good. Um, the categories kind of fell in my wheelhouse. The problem was the two areas I picked, he got like the obvious, obvious first choices on both. So, like, it was hard because I had to do something. Because if I would have got the Godfather, I would have picked the very beginning scene of the Godfather. But I had to pick an extreme the other way, um, which worked for me at this point. Um, the first one, I just took Mike a little too lightly, um, I think. Um, and now the competition is going to get harder as it goes until I get to play Kirk. Because um, I'm playing Kirk. I'm just letting you know right now. Bowman, a red caster. You can go. You can you can argue and you know both throw your glasses at one point. I don't give a fuck. I'm beating either one of you, and I'll say that right now, point Blake. Um, uh, this has unlocked something that I've been wanting to do for a really long time. But I was like, oh no, Tim needs help. But I was like, I really want to just come back and fucking play. And this kind of helped it. Um, yeah, I'm just ready for the next person. I'm ready for my next match. Um, there are things that I could have cleaned up in this one. It didn't matter because Richard's good. Richard didn't find. It's just I was super prepped today, ready for to go to battle on anything. Um, but yeah. And then my wife also, I'm glad we didn't get to the Pixar question because I brought up the question to my wife and she's like, oh, the up scene. I'm like, oh, great, cool. Uh, I knew that was the correct answer, but you know, now, now it's even harder to battle. No, but I'm just ready. I'm ready to play. I'm ready to keep going. Um, yeah, this was a lot of fun. So I think I know the answer, yeah. but uh, you're going to play either Boatman or uh, Robert Kastner. Uh, now I believe if I'm not mistaken, you have, uh, famously, uh, played Mr. Boatman before twice, uh, but in specifically, I believe in fan zone debate, didn't you guys play an exhibition match? Yeah. 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 Um, we played exhibition. Um, the, the option is going to kind of surprise everyone. I want caster more than I want boat. Um, because, Bowman's just an annoying debater. Like I can't stand him as like thing. And he brings out like my, like I, I did pretty good today, Brian. I just let you know, I didn't like make, like I many. was going to compliment you on that. Actually. I know I didn't make <laughs> as many, but he will bring that out in me. That will make me like boil over. Um, because if you say like, if you said the, instead of something else, he will pick it up. Blah, blah. Well, what'd you say? Well, that that's stupid. Why'd you say that? So he'll be the worst to play, but I will smash either one. I'll say that right now. I don't care what they pick. I don't care what they do. Um, if I beat either one of them, is that the number one contenders match? Then your next match is a number one contenders match. Yes. So, and then I have, so we are still two away from Kirk, right? So you have to, you're going to play the winner of Boatman and Robert, that's a, that is a number one contenders match. So you win your oh. next match. You're playing Kirk. Okay. So yeah, that's uh, and then I will respectively, if I lose, lose to somebody I respect. But I won't lose to either one of them. I promise you that. If I do, then it's time to hang it up. But I have a I have a 
I have a meeting with one guy and one guy only, and that's Kirk. And I'm going to have to watch Kurosawa and uh, Night of the Living Dead. And you know what? Whatever, Romero, whatever it is, I will watch them and be ready for him. But I don't care about Kastner or Boatman. That's just a stepping stone at this point. Albert Brooks, oh, don't care. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Cody, congrats on the win today. We'll see you in the next match. Uh, all right, Kirk, final thoughts from you. Um, yeah, it was, I mean, rough day for Richard. I mean, I compare rough Richard to like a knuckleball pitcher. Um, when he has his stuff, he's dangerous. You know, he had it against Barr. Um, today he just kind of couldn't locate it. He was, you know, he didn't have the control. Um, and you know, Cody was just throwing heaters and, you know, he couldn't compensate. So, uh, it looks bad on his record. It was a rough day, but I mean, he's somebody who's going to come back at, you know, when he plays his match, he's always going to be dangerous. And yeah, uh, Cody is, you know, I mean, he said it all. Um, either Cast or Boatman are going to have a hard time against him. Yeah. Brian, thoughts from you? Yeah. I mean, like, like Kirk said, I mean, uh, Richard's a good debater. The problem is just Cody is one of the best ones out there. So Richard's kind of ran into a buzzsaw there. Um, I, I did want to give uh, Cody credit. I think he knew that I didn't uh, care for his bullshit. So it's like, it was over-exaggerating and mocking. Uh, you know, he kept that to, to very minimum, if any. I didn't actually notice much of anything. I didn't notice so. anything. You, uh, you you guys bringing it up was the first time I thought about it. And I, I, think and he, I, I think he saves that for specific people. Well, and I honestly <laughs> think he probably saw me as a judge, and uh, oh, I better play it down here. So we'll see when I'm not around one of these days. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that was good. I'm looking forward to the next match. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us today at Fan Zone Debate. We got some more stuff coming up for you. So we have Robert Kastner versus Boatman coming out in two weeks. Uh, then you will see that number one contenders match after that. Then other fun stuff we have coming up. We got Mike Hanley returning. Uh, we're going to give him another shot. And he's playing Joe Fairley because Ryan O'Regan dropped out. Broke my heart. So now he's playing Mike get over it uh so that's happening and it's gonna be very fun and then uh we're gonna have mayhem is gonna be here sooner than we realize so uh it's gonna be very fun lots of fun stuff coming up we'll see you guys real soon with the next match until then bye there we go thank you very much please come again we have a lot more groceries